From the Goodnight Scholars Program at NC State University, I'm Anthony Olaya Wright, and this is Have a Good Night. On today's episode, I sit down with Martha Crisp and talk about her research experience involving laparoscopic surgery, bunions, the robot apocalypse, and sensors, grant funding, and the importance of inclusive designs for medical equipment. Without further ado, let's get into the episode. Favorite bag of chips? Oh my goodness. Gosh, in between Funyuns and Cheetos. It depends. <laughs> Funyuns and Cheetos. Why uh-huh. Funyuns and why? More so why Funyuns. I feel like Cheetos is a solid pick. Okay, so Funyuns are like, they're so like unique, right? Like no chip is in the shape of a circle except a Funyun. And then oftentimes chips aren't trying to emulate like food, like potato chips are just potato chips. Right. And Cheetos are just Cheetos. But Funyuns are emulating onion rings. And you just have to think, like, okay, like, who, like, said to themselves one day, I like onion rings so much, I wish I could just, you know, pick them out from a bag from a vending machine. Then it won't be the exact same thing, but it'll be like I'm eating an onion ring. And then who likes onion rings that much? Not not a lot of people, so must have been an onion ring lover. <laughs> that is actually some very sound rationale that I honestly <laughs> didn't expect. Um, and as soon as you said, um, you know, what chips have ever been round or like there aren't any you're right like there's no chips that like are onion ring shaped unless you're counting Chex Mix which has the little circle pretzels or like the Cheeto Chex Mix that have the little circles in them Mm. but like no chip is exclusively round except for um Funyuns so if you think about like the packaging and stuff too it's a very unique experience all around Mm -hmm. like there's i can't think of a yellow bag of chips well lays but like yeah true lays is i feel like a different it's its own it's in a class of its own yeah like that that company makes like ketchup chips like you gotta be in own class of your own to make ketchup chips (laughs) right to have uh to have drops of like okay y'all like let us know what flavor you want yeah which uh i'm still like how do they create these flavors (sighs) okay i remember when that first happened um i was like in middle school Mm -hmm. and they had cappuccino flavored chips Mm -hmm. and i wanted to try all the different ones that they released so my sister for like my birthday like bought all the different kinds of chips from the store for me Mm -hmm. and like the cappuccinos were the slowest to like work through and so i remember getting like you know this tiny little snack bag of um or a snack bag full of you know cappuccino chips and i was like it's cappuccino chip day moment when you open up your lunchbox but it's lays and it's it flavors cappuccino sounds <laughs> tragic i can see you just staring at your lunchbox like, like i mean like they'd be okay to eat it's kind of like eating a crunchy like a chip version of a churro mm. but coffee flavored which in theory sounds delicious it sounds good but like spicy like cinnamon salty sounds better than coffee and salty for sure coffee crunchy salty they just don't it's don't go together. No. But in the same, you know, year they released garlic bread or like Texas toast. Mm. I was like, oh my gosh, like Texas toast lays. That's amazing. That sounds like, fire. Because Texas toast already is like, you know, butter and garlic mm-hmm. and, you know, just really good, wonderful goodness. And the chips are like, you know, just salty and, you know, oily. Mm-hmm. So they just all go together like really great. 
I think that was the chip bag I finished the fastest. <laughs> was the garlic, was the garlic bread, um, the garlic bread uh, lays. So yeah, makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah. So tell us a little bit about you, Martha. Um, first and foremost, thank you for joining us on thank the you. podcast, thank you for and having you know, coming to the <laughs> office. Um, tell us a little bit about yourself, your journey to the Good Night Scholars program. How did how did we get you? How did we get you here? What a wonderful question. So um, I'm originally from Greenville, North Carolina, okay. which is in the coastal plain region of North Carolina. I lived there all my life. And entering into high school, my ninth grade year, there was a robotics team called Pit Pirates. And I mean, I that's how I ultimately first heard of the Good Night program because there were um, Good Nights from Greenville and a lot of them had, you know, some sort of association with Pit Pirates or its sister team, Boneyard. And I remember looking up to those people and I was like, I would love a ride opportunity. So it's interesting, like, talking to other good nights and they were like, oh, I just heard about it my junior, senior year. And I was like, I've wanted this from, you know, like, freshman year. I heard of this in my circle. From freshman year so when the time finally rolled around I was like you know I put so much work and blood and sweat and tears I guess into those essays and I checked them by you know my close good night friends and you know mentors of mine who are good at writing and I just you know worked the best I could to get them good because I really really wanted the night scholarship so that's you know and you know, whole interview and essays and yada yada, and now I'm here, basically. So, long story short, robotics. <laughs> and those are some cool names. So, Pit Pirates and Bone Boneyard. Boneyard, yes. Where did these names come from? So, um, Greenville is in Pitt County. Okay. And usually, I was involved in First Robotics. Okay. And that organization, um, usually, what you find is that with First. Um, and then the program I was in was called FRC, which is First Robotics Competition, which mm-hmm. is like robotics for um, high schoolers. What you usually see is high First Robotics FRC teams are usually with high schools, but Pitt County really didn't have enough resources for every high school to have their own f- like FRC team. Mm-hmm. And so we had a countywide FRC team called Pitt Pirates. Mm-hmm. And then later on, it grew so big that we had to make a sister team, and the sister team was called Boneyard. Um, and, you know, Pirates and Boneyard was inspired after ECU, which is in Greenbelt. Makes sense. Yes. Mm-hmm. All yeah. really cool things. I um, We had a robotics team in high school. I wasn't on it. But uh-huh. um, they, like, built some really cool things. And just, like, I think robotics in high school or at any level, honestly, it's just, like, a really cool experience to be a part of. Um, and so you did robotics, um, you know, you went through the application process, you've made it to, um, you know, NC State into the Good Night Scholars program. So congratulations. You are a rising sophomore, right? Yes. Okay. And so talk to me about your major and if you're still like with robotics and if not, like where are you at now and what, what's that transition been like? So my major is mechanical engineering inspired mainly after, you know, being with robotics. Um, I came in, um, 
Because when you're in engineering at NC State, you're just in first year engineering with some sort of intent. Mm-hmm. My intent was biomedical engineering because I wanted to build prosthetics. Hmm. But during the pandemic, um, I you know took a step back and I was like, what job would I want to wake up every single morning and be like, I love this job. Mm-hmm. And I thought about it and I was like, I want to be like a theme park club, a theme park um, engineer. And so, um, you know, that kind of switches from biomedical to mechanical. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, I could also, if I change my mind, I could do prosthetics. Um, so prosthetics, which is what I wanted to do under biomedical engineering, um, design roller coasters, that would be under mechanical engineering. Um, and then my most recent career aspiration is to work for Boston Dynamics. And they make very, very high-tech robots. And I think it's just kind of coming full circle. Yeah. Like, oh, there's that high school passion, you know, kind of creeping up on you. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that's how, um, yeah, that's where my current interest is is at, career interests are at. Got you. I think I actually seen a Boston Dynamics uh, video or something on Twitter recently. Uh-huh. And these, I don't know, someone said it was CGI. And it's why they're like, we have to really, like, fact check every video yes. and stuff now like if this is real or not but like they were dancing to like the cha-cha slide it was yeah. like one of the dogs like looking robots uh-huh. and um like a more you know like human-esque uh, like stand-up robot i don't know what to yes. describe it as just like two yes. feet you know arms yeah. um also i was watching i robot recently terrifying uh-huh. when you think about like where we're at uh-huh. like so how do you yeah. how do you feel about like the robot apocalypse. And I know that's like a very like random question, but. So uh, it's an interesting question. Um, the only thing, well, okay, of course I'm afraid of robots, you know, taking over the world, mm-hmm. but I'm also afraid of, you know, like robot intelligence is based upon AI. Mm-hmm. And I recently watched a documentary that talked about how AI, because it's created by white males, it inherent, and you know, white males are the ones who created, the ones who've been, you know, sadly and spend the longest without large representation. AI is kind of like, does have racial bias. Mm. That's scary for me. I think about that. So I think about like, um, if AI comes to large power, not only is it gonna, you know, take quote, take on the world, but it's going to do so with bias, and that scares me, like, even more. Mm. Like, that's what scares me about the robotic apocalypse. I feel like as long as we can, you know, have a, um, you know, plug into the wall, and whenever the robot's, like, saying something bad, we just unplug it, then we're good, we're fine. Mm -hmm. But, (laughs) I mean, that's what I'm really afraid of, is, um, I mean, just like humans do, we assume... And that's what the computer's trying to do. It's kind of trying to assume as well. So I'd be afraid of, you know, robots having the potential to do lots of danger with incorrect assumptions. That's a really interesting point that I don't think I've ever heard anyone bring up before. Like, I think people are just like, oh, robots are, like, going to be on some some scary stuff, like some iRobot. Yeah. Or there's a, I don't know if you watch Black Mirror, but there's an episode of Black yeah. Mirror with... Um, Oh, what's it called? It's like season, season four or five. It's black. It's in black and white. And like, there's this woman who's 
and like post like apocalyptic like America looks like Mm -hmm. and she has to go to this warehouse like get a teddy bear but she's being hunted down by these dogs that are like on seek and destroy missions for all humans so like people are looking at it from that perspective and I think this is what like sci-fi genres and like you know all these like more tech horror things are like kind of showing but they don't show like the how do they get intelligent in the first place? Exactly. And where are they getting their intelligence from? Right. So I that watching that documentary was like eye opening for me. What's the documentary? Uh, I forgot what it's called. We're gonna have to figure it out. We'll, um, we'll add it to the podcast notes. Uncovered bias, something like that. It's on Netflix. Okay. So coded bias, I think. That sounds like a good title. Yeah, it's really, really good. Okay, we'll have to check it out. So so you received an enrichment grant from us then um, for, you know, the Goodnight Scholarship, uh, which, you know, we love to pass out to, you know, help put people on and get them where they need to be. Walk us through what your enrichment grant was for mm-hmm. um, and just like a little bit about what you were doing. Okay, so to I guess to start this all off, mm-hmm. I'll have to premise this with um, I was involved with the Theme Park Club mm-hmm. and the professor like preceptor for the theme park club is um dr Catherine saul who has a biomechanics lab here and the um president of the theme park club ashley crickard um she offered to introduce me to dr saul and she kind of you know nudged and you know you can do research with her and i was like yes please (laughs) (laughs) and so we just started emailing back and forth um mainly over the winter break and we met up and she was based dr salt was like yeah you're gonna work in my lab now and i was like okay awesome like during the summer but she said you know i would like for you to be paid or like the work that you do. Mm. I was fine being unpaid right. because I I could do this virtually, you know, I have I I'm fine basically, but she was like, I want you to be paid. Yeah, but so you gotta get that money. Exactly. Yeah. yeah but- <laughs> <laughs> Doctor Saul was like, You're getting paid for this. Yeah. And I was like, Okay. And then came the, you know, like looming pressure of trying to find a grant. And usually with research grants you propose your own project to the research grant site. And then because you're making your own project, you get funded. Mm -hmm. But that wasn't really the case for me. Dr. Saul already had um, something in mind for me to work on during the summer that I didn't make up myself. Mm -hmm. So I can't take ownership for her project and say, oh, it's mine. I do this myself. And yeah, so basically I was kind of in a niche spot because the... Um, grant websites, the undergraduate research grant sites were like, you have to make your own project, but that wasn't the case with me. And so I was kind of in like this weird spot where I'm like, what do I do? And then I was like, oh, good night enrichment grants. Mm -hmm. And I remember just being, the intimidation level went from like a 100 to like a 40 because on those like big sites of like apply today for a grant you feel like you're just a small minnow in like the ocean Mm -hmm. of people trying to get money and i wasn't even there on those group like on those sites for i guess quote the right reason because i didn't make my own research project Mm -hmm. and so like (laughs) 
just seeing the Google form format for the enrichment grants, like I felt just like relief. I yeah. was like, this is way better. <laughs> so, you know, filled out the Google form, sent it in by the date, um, had a interview with Jill and um, I got the grant and it was great and awesome. And I didn't need to look any further because the grant that the um, amount that I received was exactly what I needed. Mm. So That's awesome. And so um, your grant was to help you essentially like get funded for the, the summer research that you were doing and stuff. Yes. And so how did you get into research then just like as a whole? Because it seems like a, at least in our conversation right now, the first time that I'm hearing you mention more like research things. So I... My research experience actually starts in high school. Okay. I did um, Summer Ventures, which is like a research camp um, at UNCW. And I, you know, did my own little research program um, project. And I um, tested the different um, accelerations of like origami folded parachutes on deployment Mm -hmm. because I was in like a little physics subgroup. And that was really cool to me. Um, and then that was around my sophomore year, sophomore, mm-hmm. summer year. And so then in my senior year, um, Greenville has Health Sciences Academy, um, which gets um, high schoolers interested in the health sciences field. And Health Sciences Academy paired with the Brody School of Medicine, which is ECU School of Medicine, okay. they have like their own research program where students are selected from Pitt County Health Sciences Academy and can work under like a doctor um, preceptor at um, the Party School of Medicine. So I've done research like in both of those arenas mm-hmm. and one was very different. Each of my research experiences have been on different things. Okay. And I just think it's a little like side note, I guess, but whatever thing you're interested in, especially if it's STEM, you're going to find it in research. So, I mean, there's going to be research on, um, I mean, I made a research project out of parachutes. I did research um, studying inflammation um, and how CBD affects inflammation. And then this research project, I'm working on sensors. So like whatever you want, whatever you're, you know, passionate about at the time or even just interested and at the time you can find through research Mm -hmm. so that was like my little takeaway i feel like i learned something new every single time (laughs) big plugs for research and i feel like people uh i know that when i was an undergrad research seemed like a very um like high level concept that like Mm -hmm. because i didn't do any like researching with anything like that like in high school but it just seemed like such a high level concept that like i'm not a researcher because this seems like just so big far away from me right but like we do research on a regular basis yes like twitter polls you know just like small things that like we're actually statistics exactly exactly it's truly everywhere which it it is everywhere and i would say um what when you um said it felt like far away from me that like really hit home because i feel like but as i'm you know in you know nc state um, I realized that it's not, I realized that it wasn't necessarily the research that I felt far apart from, mm-hmm. but it was more of like, how do I even get into this lab? Because mm-hmm. there are lots of students who are interested in doing research 
and then you run across some bumps of like maybe this professor already has enough students or maybe this professor isn't doing something you know that I want to do or maybe my schedule doesn't line up just like the you know hoop jumping sort of like nicks in the road as well Mm -hmm. so I would say it's not once you're in it you realize that it's not necessarily the research itself but it's more of like just getting started so yeah that's been my experience with it yeah so you said that you um for this specific project you were researching sensors and I have written down correct me if I'm like saying this wrong okay is it laparoscopic surgery laparoscopic laparoscopic yes cool So walk me through, one, what is laparoscopic surgery? And two, what were you researching with sensors dealing with said surgery? Okay, perfect. I I got you covered. Appreciate that. (laughs) Of course. So um, Dr. Saul um, is colleagues with Dr. Wong. And Dr. Wong works at um, um, UNC's hospital. And Dr. Wong is a gynecologist. And laparoscopic surgeries are surgeries that are done um, to pregnant women while the baby is still in the womb. Mm. So they're not taking the baby out. They're fixing things with the baby while the mother still has the baby in her womb. And in order to, you know, get, have the right tools to do what they're trying to do, they have these like long, I, I don't know exactly what they're called, but they're just these long stick looking things with handles. Mm-hmm. They kind of remind me of like pine cone <laughs> grabbers. Yeah, yeah. And like, that's what the surgeon uses to like, you know, move around or fix or cut, do whatever in the, um, in the womb that she's operating on, she or he is operating on. Um, a problem that Dr. Wong saw is that most gynecologists are females. And however, the tools, the laparoscopic tools that they use during the surgeries, the grips are modeled after male hands. Interesting. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. uh And so over time, if you're using something that isn't meant for your type, like your body type or your hand type, if you're a female using something that a male usually handles or is morphed after a male hand Mm -hmm. you're going to experience fatigue over time right last thing you want your surgeon to have is hand fatigue right (laughs) especially you know operating on your unborn child right so (laughs) it's just just kind of put two and two together and go hmm that's that's not right and so that's mainly what the research is focused around is um you know looking at these laparoscopic tools and where I come into play is um, um, there are like measured pressure, like thresholds that you that the companies have calculated um, and like their patents, I guess, um, to see, you know, how much force of pressure do you need to squeeze this? Mm-hmm. And two of the companies have given us that information. Um, the last company has not. And so, like, has literally said, we will not give you this information. What, why are they withholding? I don't know. Okay. <laughs> I really don't know. Um, especially since the other two um, companies have, you know, given given us Dr. Sell that data. And so my job is to figure out how this how to work this pressure sensor so that I can attach it to the tool 
and you don't have to, you know, you guess or not have pressure threshold data. And so I'm still in the process of getting that all figured out with the sensor because I'm, I'm running across things as well. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, that's, that's how the whole pressure sensor relates to the laparoscopic surgeries and the research and everything. Yeah. Wow, that's really cool. That's a really cool research opportunity. And I think like, um, like just your, this whole story that you've painted, just like how everything is kind of like coming all together must be a really cool, like experience and just like reflection point for you um, as you're only entering into your second year and like you've already experienced so much um, at NC State and like within the program and stuff, which is really awesome. Um so ultimately, I guess, like, with this research, like, how do you see it playing a role in, like, your professional development, or, like, also, like, your personal development, or just the things that you want to do uh, during the rest of your time at NC State? So I guess, um, <laughs> kind of, I guess, hardware-wise, like, hard knowledge-wise, I'm getting, you know, um, experience with many computers and sensors. So the mini computer I'm using is an Arduino. I first tried to use a Raspberry Pi, but an Arduino is way easier with sensor stuff. Let's back up really quick. What is an Arduino and what is a Raspberry Pi? Those are just like the mini computers. mini computers. Gotcha. Yes, they're just these mini, um, mini processors. And um, Where'd the names come from? I do not know. Okay. <laughs> I do not know where they come from. But um, an Arduino is built better for sensors. Okay. So I'm getting experience with had a little bit with Raspberry Pi, I had a little bit with Arduino, and I'm getting experience with um, like sensors and many computers and sensors are very important when looking at robotics. Mm-hmm. Um, and so in that way, it's useful. Um, personal development wise, I mean, it's, it's taught me to be, especially since this research is virtual, which means it, I can't I don't go to the lab every day. Um, like I've had to try to monitor my own progress. And when I get like stuck, like I have to like be willing to wait. Like I can, I can be stuck and I can feel stuck and my automatically automatic and, um, instinct Mm -hmm. is to go help email (laughs) send out now. And so I'll like (laughs) do that. And then I'll just have to like wait for people to get back to me. And that's not a problem, but like personally I've had to learn how to be patient because Mm. I know that if things were in person, it would be much easier to get, you know, small questions answered, to get, you know, help from people outside of the lab. Um, But the help I've gotten so far is wonderful. It's just like, I wish things were faster. Um, if, because I knew that know that they would be if we were in person, so that's where um, that's yeah that's where that come personally I've had to learn how to be patient with that as well. Yeah. Got you. Has uh, your uh, research lead? It was it was a name for that that you said uh, pre preceptor. Preceptor. Is that yeah. okay? So has that person um, like been? I guess, like, what has that, like, relationship been like in terms of, like, them as your supervisor and, like, giving you the space to, like, grow in that professional, like, arena? Like, were those conversations yeah. that you all had prior to? Or, like, what has that been like? Yeah. So, um, the preceptor I have, Dr. Saul, mm-hmm. um, I 
love how I can just, you know, email her. And then the next day, she emails me back. So she's very responsive. But um, that relationship has been, you know, great and interesting because we can't see each other. Um, But, like, she's helped me by, you know, being responsive to my questions. And, you know, it's okay to ask questions. Mm -hmm. And I feel like a lot of students and, you know people in jobs get scared to ask their boss questions Mm -hmm. because they're like, what if it won't get answered? And I'm just, you know, a a drop in the bucket. What if they think I'm stupid? Like yada, yada, yada. Um, She's taught me that, you know, or reinforced the con, the important concept of like, it's okay to ask questions also. And in that sense, um, I have needed things like certain materials um, when some things haven't worked, I've had to go back and say, we may need to buy an Arduino instead of use this Raspberry Pi. Mm. And I was just, you know, kind of disappointed in the fact that, like, I couldn't use the computer that she first gave me. But at the same time, you know, there wasn't any dialogue that was like, well, why couldn't you get the Raspberry Pi to work? Because I tried to get it to mm-hmm. work and she knew that. And so just like her being, you know, open to questions, open to different, you know, solutions to things. Um, So that was, you know, it just reinforced the idea of how that dynamic should work. And I think that's like the main thing that I've like learned from her. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) That's really cool. And hopefully... Um, I don't know if you, do you plan on like continuing this research uh, or like what is the, is there next steps with this? Like after the summer's over? So good question. I have a meeting with her on Monday. Nice. <laughs> but um, I, I'm honestly a little bit um, worried, not worried, but I'm cautious to commit to this lab if I have a busy in-person scheduled this upcoming semester Mm -hmm. um i am so excited to be back in person i'm so excited to you know get back into class and you know get back into being like a full-time student um but i don't know like virtually i know what that looks like in person i don't know so um i'm open to you know exploring different positions within that lab maybe less or more time intensive or just trying to finish up this last project and then, you know, kind of quote unquote, turn it in mm-hmm. um, and then, you know, rejoin um, at a different time. Um, but that'll all have to depend on um, what Dr. Saul wants as well, um, what Dr. Saul is envisioning um, and also um, what my schedule allows. But her schedule allows and what my schedule allows and I plan on you know having a conversation about that later on very responsible of you Martha Chris <laughs> thank you <laughs> very responsible indeed and um I mean I think regardless it sounds like you've had a good experience you've made a, a solid impact learned some things over this uh summer so even if you don't continue I think that it's it sounds like it's been like a a positive for you know yeah. your time at NC State uh thus far it's I will say it's just, it has been a little frustrating, um, because of like things being virtual. Yeah. Um, 
because I feel, you know, parts of me feel like I haven't made enough progress and parts of me have felt like maybe I don't need to, I need to figure this out myself. But then when I try to figure out myself, I'm just there stuck. Mm -hmm. And so it's just stuff like that where it's like, how much or how little do I work if I'm by myself? Mm -hmm. And is this, you know, uh, I don't know. You just don't know how much or how little to, you know, really dive into something if you know that you're going to feel stuck or you're going to run across a bump. And I feel like, you know, more could have been achieved if things were in person, but you have to, you know, realize that that's not how the entire world is working right now. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like we're still trying to figure things out. It's been a, you know, a whole year and we're still trying to pick up the pieces so it's important to, it's important to give myself grace for that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> absolutely. Because I mean, I think even like when, when we were working from home, right? Or like when I started this job, like I was fortunate that, you know, the four of us were vaccinated and like I was able to come in and like see and like, like start to like do things, experience, experience yeah. right? Experience and like, and like have an understanding of, you know, like, there are things that need to be done, but like, there's also like a learning curve. And like, I understand like what that, that range of grace looks like because I'm like here. And so I think for everyone, even with like your classes, I'm assuming too, like trying to reshape your expectations for yourself about like what college will look like because this was your mm -hmm. first year this past year. Like, yeah. what does it look like to, to be quote unquote successful or like how much work do I need to put in for like these courses? Like, mm -hmm. oh, that's going to have to shift for you now even because yes. you're coming into the <laughs> coming into school that's right. um but i think you hit it on the head of just like you have to like even now you're still trying to like process like did i do enough or like you did know I, yeah. how much of this uh how much of this was you know like me not working hard which i'm pretty sure none of it was you not working hard <laughs> and how much of it was just like the disconnect between like working in person right and working you know in your bedroom yeah exactly <laughs> yeah Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So, yeah. but it sounds like I'm glad that you're having this, uh, I want to call it a battle, but like this conversation with yourself um, because you could, you know, easily not. And then you're just like, man, like I didn't make the most out of this internship or this uh, research experience at all. But mm -hmm. in actuality, it sounds like you, you know what you're talking about. You know what I'm saying? Like you were able to mm -hmm. articulate that to me very clearly. So I'm glad. <laughs> yeah, I feel like I've learned so much. Um, it's, it's not just jibber jabber. No. Okay, good. <laughs> not at all. Not at all. Any um, any final words slash thoughts um, for anyone listening or uh, anything that you want to share before we wrap up? Um, it's with research. It's not as intimidating as you think. Just try to get getting started is the hardest part. Finding who you want to do research with or what you want to research or you know, your availability are all factors that are, you know, mainly pre-factors, but once you get into research, it's like, oh, okay, it's not that bad. Mm -hmm. um, and then also, if if this is a good night scholar um, listening, um, if you ever need money for any sort of, you know, STEM um, interest that requires it, please explore the, the enrichment grants because, I mean, you know, it's it's so much less intimidating than, mm -hmm. you know, getting a real, like, big website, <laughs> like, grant. Um, but, yeah, I mean, other than that, like, just, just keep trying to do, it doesn't even have to be research, but keep trying to do things that 
you're passionate about and you might not be passionate about it, you know, for super long, but just to say that you've tried it and tested the waters and you now know if you like this thing more than another. Um, it's a very important thing to do in college. And I feel like what you should be doing in college is exploring those passions without, you know, fear. Mm. So, yeah. <laughs> cool. Thank you so much, Martha, for joining us. Yeah, yeah. And, Thank you uh, for having me. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> and I'll catch you around the office and on campus this year. Yes, I'm so excited. <laughs> Thanks for joining us on this episode. If you enjoyed our conversation and want to hear more, be sure to subscribe and give us five stars on whatever platform you're listening on. If you're a prospective student and want to learn more about the Good Night Scholars program, shoot us an email at goodnightscholarship at ncsu.edu so we can answer your questions. And remember, no matter what time of day you're listening in, we always hope that you have a good night. I'm Anthony O'Leary Wright. Peace out.